Welcome to the Hotel News Now Podcast Network, part of the CoStar Group. This is the Next Gen and Lodging Podcast, which examines trending issues in the hospitality industry, led by three hoteliers who are really shaking things up. In this episode, host Amari Head speaks with the leadership team of the Hotel Revival Baltimore, an iconic boutique hotel in the heart of Maryland. General Manager Dante Johnson and Director of Impact and Culture Jason Bass dive into their hotel's focus on art, history, and heritage. Thanks for listening, and visit Hotel News Now for the latest industry news every day. This is Omari Head with the Next Gen in Lodging podcast. I am the founder of the National Institute of Lodging Education and am pleasured That don't even sound good. And am excited (laughs) to be joined here with Dante and Jason. Um, Before I hand it over and and allow you all to do your introductions, I'm going to actually do a a lightning round here uh, of quick questions. Ooh. All right. Lightning round. Mm. All right. You ready? You ready? I'm in. Brain switched on? Let's go. Let's go. I got my third, fourth coffee. (laughs) I've lost count. All right. Let's get it. Uh, Apple or Android? Apple. Android. Okay. For sure. For sure. Um, Full service hotels or limited service hotels? Full service. Full service. Okay. Um, Beer or wine? Wine. Wine. Mm, What kind of wine? I mean... <laughs> I've been on a Malbec thing lately, but like my wine palate is not that sophisticated. I, I I could drink most wines and be fully satisfied. Okay, I love it. Yeah, yeah, I love it. What was the uh, what the first concert you went to? Alicia Keys. Oh wow! I don't I don't know, but the most memorable concert was uh, it was kind of funny, and it was ASAP Rocky. Opening for somebody I can't remember, and he was. It was like his first one of his first concerts. He wasn't this long story yet. long. He wasn't ASAP Rocky yet. <laughs> right, and right. He was. He was only doing like um, the cover stuff. And he walked so far away from the stage, all the way to the back of the room, and I was just standing at the bar laughing and drinking. He came all the way up to us, and I just turned my back and kept drinking. <laughs> no, <laughs> so I remember that, and I felt yeah. I felt horrible like a couple months later. <laughs> But I'm not surprised. Like, so knowing knowing you, that doesn't surprise me at all. Like, that tracks. He does not recall that. He, he don't know me. <laughs> like, I remember this one time I was performing and there was this guy. Holy, I hope not. <laughs> yeah, that, that'll be all bad. And um, what's, your favorite, what's your favorite book? Ooh, uh, Outliers comes to mind. Mm. But, I mean, there's, you know, there's so many. There's so many. Yeah, it's hard to not pick a Malcolm Gladwell or just like a self help book in general. Um, but you, yeah. but you know what's crazy? He put me on with a book called um, "Is It the Gap?" It's like a short book. It's an audio. Um, God, I can't remember the name of it. Wow. But it, oh, it's called "The Dip." Oh, the Dip. Yeah, 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 yeah the yeah, Dip. Yeah, yeah. it's a great. I listen to it probably like every two to three months. It's a, it's an easy listen, but it's really, it's really informative. You know what I do multiple times a year? Uh, war, war, Art of War, on, war. on audio. It's like a quarterly. I love like, let, let me let me check in and just make sure some solid yeah. Still, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, when he comes back yeah. and he's like, you know, that's yeah. why we tell him to burn the hoodies <laughs> right. so they can't do that. No, it's, it's this is line about um, burning the bridges, burn the no, that you like oh, no, burn yeah. the boats. Yeah, yeah, burn the boats. You burn yeah. the boats like of your you know your team so they don't have a way to get back home. They have to fight right. their way through um, yeah. wherever you are. Yeah, and I'm just like you've been listening to Art of War. <laughs> my, my favorite takeaway was arriving to the battle early. 
because mm, they were yeah. saying like what you've already lost if you if you show up late because like you struggled yeah. to get there you're out of breath no like, footing yeah, yeah they yeah, got position all of that and um and that was always uh, a really important thing for me to understand yeah. as it relates to timing so speak keeping on the theme of timing what makes revival come to life what makes this hotel what is the personality of this hotel and if you had to like describe it as a celebrity what would you say yeah i think i, I would i would love to hear your response to the celebrity question i think what would uh what makes the hotel come to life i mean i think it's just a vibrant space and even before it was heavily programmed it was well designed there was a lot of intention in all the details but you know, like what you hear in the background right now like a dj playing in the lobby um you know those are those are moments where if you're staying here or you just live in this community like there's a lot of folks like these folks right here they're not hotel guests you know they live you know in the area around the hotel but they're welcome to, to come and be in the space and you know sometimes that's commercial activity they're buying cocktails or buying coffee whatever but sometimes it's just people who are contributing to the vibe which is something that you know that we encourage we intentionally spend time and energy and resources to incentivize that behavior because our belief is that if you're a guest from out of town you should be able to experience the best of what Baltimore has to offer not just the things that we can sell you sell to you for a profit and our belief is that that cumulatively adds up to an experience that's just fundamentally different than what you're going to find anywhere else I agree I say black Justin Bieber it's like no I'm joking I was watching Atlanta the other day no um this you know what makes it really hard uh to do is like is we have a lot of different layers and textures and experiences yeah. in this building, right? It's mid-century modern furniture, but then we have, like, a DJ performing over here. We have canned cocktails. We have, you know, well, um, well, you know, curated, um, you know, mixed drinks upstairs. And it's just so many different elements of things right. that don't necessarily overlap equally, but there are points in the Venn diagram that they could touch. That I can't think of a single actor or just like celebrity that kind of embodies a lot of those things. Yeah. If I think about, I can think about a few different people, you know, coming here and staying here and really, really enjoying it over the alternatives as well that are in market. And we're not even in like a tourist district, right? We're yeah. in a culturally rich and diverse district, which I think, you know, we become a better fit in, in, um, in the community because of all the different things that, that we can uh, we can execute and do it well in an yeah. authentic way, right? Yeah. That's, that's always the key. That's always the most important thing to yeah. what brings all of this stuff to life. Yeah, I think one interesting thing about Revival is the, the space that we're sitting in today was not what was originally planned on paper when, when this was being developed. And I think we've been able to really embrace opportunities along the journey to just do the best version of a thing that we can do today. But we wouldn't have necessarily said, okay, well, in this space, what you need is, you know, this incredible world-class cocktail program downstairs in a space that has 25 seats. We would have said, let's make that space twice that size because we would have been thinking about the bottom line, not necessarily the vibe. Midstream, we can say, you know what, 25 seats is probably right. And we could probably, we could do a bigger version of this concept, but this feels the best right now. Let's do this and just know that we'll make up the difference somewhere else. Um, when I think about celebrities, I, I try to think about like the amount of ground that we cover in the programming and the amount of range. Like Issa comes to mind mm -hmm. as some mm -hmm. like, like like I think like appropriately playful and funny, and I think a lot of what we do here is intentionally um, geared toward being accessible. But at the same time, there is also very serious work being done 
here to make the community better and to create access for people. And so point of clarification, you mean Issa Rae, correct? I do mean Issa mm-hmm. Rae. Correct. Not as in the album. Issa. <laughs> no, okay. I mean Issa Rae, <laughs> for sure. I, I, I refer to her on a first name basis because mm-hmm. we're cool like that. We're not, mm-hmm. we're not, I don't know her, but uh, in my mind, <laughs> yeah. you, know, you know, we're cool like that. That's funny. He had, I don't know if you know, the. Um, you ever watched the, the wrap-up of some of the shows? For insecure, never, not a single mm-hmm. minute. Like, literally, yeah. it's like as soon as it comes down. Up, I know, it's called, it right? Is. So this is, this it is. is it, that's what uh, it, it all connected for me. Right. But the guy, I think he's an executive producer or writer, Prentice Penny. Yes, yeah, yes, yeah, yes. Um, I think he would actually fit. Um, he's a, he's a celebrity. If you want, I yeah, I think we can call him a celebrity. Yeah. I think he's a good example of like the mix of this, right? Like um, he's tailored, but not overly tailored. Right. He has, he does a good job of like mixing in. From a style perspective, like unstructured clothes, along with with like uh, traditional structured items, yeah, um, it feels like he can have a deep conversation about food, and then explore like um, you know, be curious and explore new new drinks and flavors without feeling uncomfortable, but laughing about you know what what that experience is like, and I feel like that's 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 a part of what this is. Yeah, it's a point of discovery because it's so obsess- it's accessible. So. Um, I love that. So we can explore things like that here, you know. And and like you said, Dante, you know, with the idea of it being organic, with the idea of it being yeah. intentional, when in a world now where DE&I has become a buzzword, it's everybody's, yeah. you know, three favorite words, we, yep. you know, we're planning towards it. How, first, let's talk about what inclusion means to, to each yeah. of you all. Because one, one of the things when we came up with Next Gen Elijah and we said, everybody's talking about diversity, yeah. um, you know, I'm less about, you know, just being diverse. It's like, are you inclusionary and are you equitable? Yeah. You know, we know that diversity exists. Like, you can go yeah. and see our line level staff at a lot of different hotels. Like, it exists, but mm-hmm. um, it doesn't filter up. But more so, the lens that you're looking at is supply diversity, all these things. But what does inclusion mean to you, Dante, and then you take it, Jason? Yeah. Um, to me, it means, and I think kind of the direction that you were going is, is in every level and every phase of what we do, um, you know, creating access. And, and so like we, we don't ever have conversations about DEI in this building. And I'm not going to say, like, it's just what we do, because it is, but, <laughs> but there is also a lot of intention around it. Like, we didn't all just wake up and, and decide we're going to be the people who do inclusion. Uh, but, in every decision that we make every day, you know who we spend money with, um, you know who we hire, how we how we pour into people, how we create space for people, and how we how we smooth out some of the rough edges that create a dynamic like what you're referring to, where where on the whole the industry is very diverse and reflective of the communities where we do business. But the further you go up the org chart, the less diverse that it is, which means we're delivering on the promise of the industry to a narrow group of people. And largely everyone else somehow along the way, either the culture spits them out or, you know, they decide that, you know, this isn't for them because it's not serving them. So for me, inclusion means breaking down all of those barriers to access that have been kind of baked into the industry that you and me grew up in. And I think bringing in people like Mm -hmm. Jason as an example who, you know, I don't think this man ever decide, ever thought to himself, I'm going to work in hospitality. Um, you know, in fact, it's probably the furthest thing from what you thought you'd be doing. You got trapped. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yep. I, um, yeah, that's, uh, I don't want to go second anymore. Um, <laughs> Kill that answer. Uh, and in addition to that, it's, um, for me, it's it's also it's about creating space for that diverse group of people so that they do feel welcome and they have 
um, an opportunity to express who they are without yeah. judgment or or just um, you know being punished for that, right? Like yeah. I, I think when it comes to being inclusive, you you also have to consider what it means to adhere to certain traditional things that are in a lot of spaces, but deeply deeply baked into what the hospitality industry is. Yeah, these are uniforms, this is hairstyles, these are uh, types of hair, grains of hair. You know, uh, you know we we talk a lot about the Crown Act here and what that means mm. um, to the country, but specifically what it means in in the hotel space. And we've been able to discuss let me that pause as two- real quick. Yeah, that's a Google moment. Like yeah, look, look, look up the right. Crown Act like it's a C R O W N. Yeah, the Crown mm-hmm. Act. Go ahead, brother. And uh, and as legislation that is is working to prevent uh, d- um, discrimination against like hair based discrimination in the work right. workspace. Right. Not only are we trying to have those conversations with the HR director um, so that we don't we don't have any of those issues, and Dante and I both have natural hair. The um, we also want to make sure that guests when they check in. If that they, they feel seen, right? So, like, if they have natural hair, we've worked with a local maker to develop um, a super silky set, right? It's a hair yeah. bonnet, it's a pillowcase, you know? Yeah. Who else is caring for these people like this, right? Mm. They're just like, yeah, come in, you get what you got over here. This will definitely pull out your baby hairs when you go to sleep. <laughs> right. Like, so sorry you forgot. Right. Edges, edges right. are done, right? right? And for those who don't know what edges is, this is how you get, this is this is a moment for you to research it so you can understand <laughs> what diversity and inclusion is about. Right. This probably shouldn't be the first time you've heard, you know, topics like this or right. things like this because they are incredibly important to a large segment of the population that you either employ or you serve right and if you're in the hospitality industry shouldn't you be hospitable to all of these people so both groups right you know um so i just you know hopefully it gives them a little fruit of thought but uh fruit for thought uh, but uh but that's that's how i feel about inclusion yeah it's it's interesting because like there's a there's a lot of little sort of inclusionary moments and so when you when you think about it through the lens of dni there's a lot of things that we've that we've done like the like the bonnets and pillowcases where we were trying to celebrate and amplify you know this legislation but also this conversation and i think mm. you know i mean the, the price point isn't isn't low like we we weren't but we're also not making money on that like all, essentially all of the money that's made from those bonnets and pillowcases goes to that local maker and this is a lady who's i mean you know Nicole Mighty she's incredible she's making these bonnets and pillowcases in her house shout out to and Nicole shout out to Nicole man she she's uber talented but she doesn't have the same cost basis as if we had got these things made in a factory overseas somewhere which we very well could have it would have taken half the time it would probably would have been a fraction of the cost but it wouldn't have aligned with with what our values are so when i say every decision that's made it's not just the fact that we're going to do this thing it's how we're going to do it who we're going to do it with and if nobody buys those bonnets which people already have but if nobody did we'd still have that bonnet sitting there occupying real estate in our lobby because it's creating a conversation that we think needs to be had. I also have it on my Instagram, and then Drake tried to copy me and wear a bonnet like this a month later. This is true. I just want to point this out right now, live on this show. That's right. Drake, you're a thief of my style. You have 24 hours to respond. To respond. <laughs> Outside of that, I think, um, and we've really just talked about it in a physical sense, right? As Absolutely. like dealing with like the human side of this, but we haven't really explored what inclusion means um, on the idea side of things. And the idea mm. part of this, and you and I talked about this before we started recording, is just as homogeneous and like, um, you know, uh, narrow, narrow yeah. as the individuals that are working in these spaces, right? Mm. So, like, how can we expect this 
how can we just keep doing the same things right. and thinking that play, right, is gonna is gonna lead us to success for forever, right? We have yeah. to adapt because things change. People change, the world changes, market changes. There's all these other things that I don't think are necessarily being considered. And um, you know, we got visionaries like Dante coming into these spaces, Thanks, willing to take risks. It, it is that you. This is being recorded. <laughs> that um, that are making space for people like myself, people like uh, Ryan Rhodes, aka DJ Impulse, which is our director of content, Sonic Ident- uh, Sonic Identity. Yeah. Um, we have a concierge here that is thinking inc- like out of the box on how to provide an incredible, incredible like level of service, but also introduce the the city and the community to our guests uh, in ways that you know we haven't seen done before. Uh, she curates our gift shop, she you does. know, um, which is where that that bonnet lives and exists, um, which is you know designed for um, to have a platform for local minority owned BIPOC LGBT everything those businesses specifically. If we don't, if we can't buy them into the hotel, like uh, you know, as far as like coffee into the cafe or you know something as a part of the in-room experience and here's an opportunity to still offer something to those small right. businesses and that's, so, that's there and, and, I, and we can and we could talk about this for probably more time than we have but i do want to make one one additional point about yeah, yeah. dni in general is that um we don't look at this from a sort of paternalistic perspective like we we're not doing this because we are in a position like we we, we do understand power dynamics but but this i believe serves the industry best so I think as an industry, when we think about you know things like DEI or, or whatever the the buzz words that we want to use to capture the idea of uh, of treating everybody you know fairly and justly, this is what serves the industry best. So I think a fully optimized environment is one where where everybody's being engaged with fairly and on a level playing field. And like an, ex- an example that I can give of this is when I first started here, shortly after I started in June of 2019, the announcement was made that Baltimore was getting CIAA which the three of us in this room understand exactly what that means. We probably had a very similar reaction in our minds as soon as that statement was, say, was said. But I was in a room full of people where nobody knew what that meant except the people in Visit Baltimore who booked it. So what this tells me immediately is that we're going to win this week. Like, and, and we'll probably <laughs> win it for the first few years until people figure out what it means because yeah. we're talking about a basketball tournament in that room when what I am thinking about is an immersive cultural experience. Right? So... I think a fully optimized version of those businesses is one where every one of those leaders, if they're not a person who's in that space and understands, can go back to their team and somebody in the room can explain to you what CIAA is exactly and how you need to move. But if, you know, going back to Jason's uh, word, homogenous, if, if, if everybody on my team is of the same space, in the same culture, likes all the same things, then there is nobody there who can help us to optimize our approach to this. And there's a million different examples of that that we, we can probably think through and how the industry moves. So bringing more people into the space, having more people around the table, including people who did not grow up in the industry, is what helps us to optimize the business. And it's dope you say that because it, speaking on CIAA and considering the city that they moved out of, right? that also hosted NASCAR, mm-hmm. right? And there was complaints uh, from about a certain hotel that put minimums on the table mm-hmm. during uh, CIAA that were not also imposed uh, during NASCAR. They only did it depending on who the audience was. My operations background, we had a similar thing. I'll never forget it was a, um, a black fraternity was having their their uh, their conference at the hotel. Yeah. 
and the security guard goes on Google and YouTube and finds all this stuff, and it's like, look, we're going to tell people they can't bring in coolers and this mm-hmm. and that, and it's like, hey, we got a cheerleading competition that just left. Did we tell them that? Right. And it's like, well, no, but, right. and I'm like, hey, if you want to be on the news, I just want right. to be able to say I was the guy <laughs> in, the, in the room right. that told you you're about to be on the news. Right. And, and I was just like, and this is where it got even more complex. I'm like, you're looking at him from, through just this one lens because there's something called intersectionality. Right. The fraternity was coming in on the heels of the National Medical Association, bunch of bunch of mm-hmm. African American doctors, mm-hmm. right? So I'm like, they're already in house, right? So you're gonna tell people it's different rules because you're now affiliated with a different group, although you're here, like it it just doesn't. It, so going back to your point about having people in the room, but more importantly, having people in the room who have the voice, mm-hmm. yeah, that yep. that that actually know how to exercise it and speak up. So when you came to raise your voice and say, hey, I think that a director of culture and impact is important, yeah. how did that go? And and what concerns did, did you have? And, yeah. you know, what, what was that conversation like? Yeah, that's a good question. And, you know, I've, I've had very similar experiences to the one you pointed out. When, when I was in Miami, I, uh, I someone had to explain to me what WMC was because I had no idea what Winter Music Conference was before I moved there. I don't really listen to electronic dance music. It's not a thing that I was familiar with. And so we went through the entire process of preparing ourselves for the, for the beach to be taken over by WMC. A month later, we're talking about Memorial Day, and it's like batting down the hatches, increased security, yeah. you know, uh, barricade the hotel. And I was like, yo, what makes, this, what makes this event any different than what we just did a month ago, except for the race of the people involved? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. the looks on the faces of the leaders in the space were like, oh, no one's ever asked that question before. And so it, there was like a there was a learning process that we all went through of, you know, we don't need to treat folks any differently. But, you know, that's a that's a process in education. This this role, I mean, the way I sort of initially brought this into the conversation was um, we always had an intention for this hotel to be heavily programmed and for us to do things. And, you know, I think my version or my thought of what heavily programmed and versus what maybe the larger industry things are probably different. But we wanted to do things like have local partnerships, uh, support people in the city who are doing incredible work to better the community, you know, even you know DJs for brunch and things like that, the things that a lot of hotels are doing. Right. But what I saw was that the team wasn't really tuned up for that. So if the F&B director has to, has to go find a DJ for brunch, but she doesn't know any DJs, then, then that, that's a problem. If the director of sales and marketing is in charge of local partnerships because in our org chart, that's the role where that responsibility should live, then that's a problem. And so what we had was a lot of scenarios where people who were very good at their day job were tasked with these other things that are in the best interest of the business, but just aren't things that they that they necessarily had the relationships or the aptitude to really do well. So the programming was going to fall flat. I'm, only reason I, I'm sorry for interrupting no, no, is just because I think that that's a key thing mm-hmm. that's applicable for a lot of our listeners that are operators yeah. in general with your GMAGM is, uh, you know, trying to force people into things that aren't their strength. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's just, you know, the amount of time that I imagine that you yep. freed up yep. for these for the director of sales to focus on booking. Right. Right. To be right. able to get out there and drive and for do sure. what their strength is for you to be focused on yeah. the overall operations. Yep. Um, you know, and I can go out there and say, you know, what, it's worth it for me to engage. Right. Jason, who's a tastemaker. Right. Right. You be the kingmaker. Right. We put this all together. Yeah. Let and, and let people kind of operate in there. Uh, the one thing that I found out that there's um, 
it, you know, there's your gift zone, you know, and then there's your areas of strength. But mm-hmm. operating in your gift zone, you just you yeah. just do so much more. For sure. So, Jason, you operating in your gift zone in this role, what did that look like for you to get that call to say that this is a thing, we're green lit, it's, it's about to be official? And how much pressure did you feel to perform that you still feel to perform? Because, you know, as we've seen, COVID was just, you know, super trash for our industry. It was mm-hmm. awful things that everybody did cutbacks. What did those things look like for you in those days when you say, like, I just don't ever want anybody to look at this as an accessory on the P&L. Yeah. And, and I want to make sure that my performance and my delivery has substantial ROI. You know, mm-hmm. what did that look like for you for like your yeah. 30, 60, 90 you know, first years, you're able to be like, look, like this is this is the move. This is the wave of of the industry, and I've proven it through this. What what was kind of going through your mind, and what, what were your steps? You talk about the monument lighting moment too. Yeah, yeah. You start. Yeah. You you should start with that. Yeah, it's, it's it's interesting because they were recording today because yesterday was the monument lighting across the street from the hotel. Big major event in the city. It's almost like the Christmas tree lighting, but okay. it's the Washington Monument in the park across the street, but. Three years ago at the Washington Monument Lighting was when we first had a conversation about this. Wow. So it's almost it's essentially the three-year anniversary of the first exploratory conversation that he and I had about, I feel like there's something here that, that we should explore. And so, you know, here we are three years later. Yeah, we, we got connected because um, I had been throwing um, a series of events here called the Night Brunch, right? Mm. Um, and... He was coming on as a new GM. I got his contact information, and I was like, you know, hey, Jason, I just want to introduce myself. I want to hopefully we can build a relationship and we can continue to do this thing together. And he was like, first, I gotta vet you. <laughs> <laughs> so he came to a couple of those, uh, a couple of our events. Yeah, and he was like, all right, this is cool. We can do this. Let's make some changes. That this is how we'll make this a win um, for all of us, right? I learned a lot from that process, and you know, as we continue down this path. I ended up getting the um, ended up getting the contract to to provide the the um, beverage program for the event that he was just talking about, right? And this is this is all um, uh, spirited cocktails and beers and wines and things like that. So uh, I went out and rented two mobile bars and uh, worked with a friend of mine who had experience building a bar team and bar programs. And we collaborated on this, and I, I invited him out. It was right outside of the hotel. I'm like, mm. bro, you got to come see this. And he was like, it's cold. It's two <laughs> <Right>. things I <laughs> don't do. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it's cold. <laughs> you play it with my phone. So, right. <laughs> right. so he comes out anyway, and I'm like, I convinced him. I'm like, I think we, we had a hot um, side, a spiked hot cider. So I was yeah. like, I'll get you a spiked hot cider. He comes out, he sees it. And, um, and I think that was one of those moments where he was like, Oh, he's just not a promoter. He's not not this party guy. He's 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 got you know interest in other areas, and he can execute on multiple levels, right? Uh, large format or small, right, like, right. Any space, indoors, outdoors, etc. Right. So as we um, as we're talking through how we could potentially work together, he's like, "Why don't you come on as a consultant? You do X amount of hours a week. We explore this." Next year, which would have been 2020 at that right, time, right. he was like, you know, we'll just we'll program the spaces, we'll make them cool. And my biggest concern at that point as we're talking through this is right. like, 
well, how do we know this is a success? Like, I don't want to do this mm. and think that, you know, I did a great job, our expectations are on the line, and, and you, you don't feel the same, right. right? And we didn't really have a way of necessarily measuring this from a metric standpoint at the time. And he said, you know what, we'll, we'll look around this room, which is top side. At that point, we were at top side, the rooftop restaurant here at the hotel. Um, and he was like, you know, we'll observe a change. You know, look around right now, see what kind of people are here. And then, you know, hopefully we'll have, you know, these people plus, you know, members of the creative class, other people from the community, you know, small business owners, that kind of stuff. And I was like, diversity okay. is what we're talking about. Exactly. Diversity. Exactly. And I was like, OK, I can I can I can I can start there. Right. And we shook we shook on it. There was no contract. There was nothing right from that point other, other than just like old school. Yeah. You know, trust. Yeah. And yeah. to be clear, there, there probably should have been a contract. Um, <laughs> we tried. Yeah, you know, it's not that we my, didn't try. <laughs> my, my, my wife, who's a, who's a judge now, was, a, was an attorney at that point, And she would never forgive me if I did not point out to people listening that there should absolutely be a contract. Yeah. So <laughs> so everyone, we did try to do this. Right. But for the for the um, in the spirit of like uh, just getting it done quickly. Right. And, um, you know, just riding the momentum that had been created. um we we're just like, all right, we'll, we'll get started, right? So uh, it began there. And then, um, you know, January, we, we did a lot of planning. February is Black History Month. And, you know, excelled at that. It was incredible. It was that we got a lot of press, you know, yep. earned media. Yep. Um, and in March, we were teed up for a ton of incredible things event-wise. Um, mm. And amazing partnerships with, you know, nationally known brands that were coming in to, to, to do events with us. Um, everything changed because of COVID. So at that point, I'm still a consultant, but what we really did realize was like there is an interest in this from not only just like the individuals who are attending this event who weren't just guests, but also from the media side of things. Right. Like we had a ton of press happening at that point, and it only it only increased maybe tenfold once we decided during the pandemic to not focus on bringing people into the space, but bringing resources into the building, creating a a community hub of sorts out of the hotel, which makes a lot of sense if you think about it, right? We have all the space, right? Um, The things that people needed the most at the time was access to food, right? And, and, and element and and things like that. So we were able to call a lot of our food suppliers, get them to uh, donate their food to us instead of it going to waste because everything was closed Mm -hmm. from a restaurant perspective. Uh, we had storage for it, cold storage, freezer, dry storage, um, backed it all up, and we just started a uh, a food you know giveaway program to anyone. Right? It wasn't just we understood that the service industry was greatly impacted, of course, and wanted to cater to them, but we weren't going to make them show us check stubs or anything like that. Like, just come up if you need it, right? And we became a true member of the community, yeah. and. Um, those were emotional times, man. Were. It was tough. And we were, you know, we, we, we do a fair amount of uh, what we call market research. Um, so here, you know, drinking and eating across the city. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we were seeing a lot of people who we've sat across the bar from, who we've been served by, who, who you know, we've had amazing experiences with yeah. and got to know over the years, yeah. who one week after, you know, indoor dining closed down were in spaces where they were in need. And like that, mm-hmm. th- those, those were heavy days, man. They were. So, you know, here we are. Um, just trying to figure out what to do, how to do it. And we ended up being here every day together, basically, you know, uh, <laughs> right. and a couple other members from the leadership team at the time, not only just giving out fresh produce, but also cooking hot meals and whatever was, whatever was left over 
we would take, you know, 50-pound bags of carrots and onions and potatoes, things like that. We would distribute that to the senior centers in East Baltimore, right? And this is at the time where we really weren't sure. Right. This, I'm just adding some additional context. That sure. We really weren't sure what uh, was going on during the pandemic. Like, we're washing bags of chips, you know, right. we get from the corner store because we, right. like, you know, you can touch the bag oh, and yeah. we can, I, we can I get. I remember that. Right. right. That was me up until last July. Oh, gosh. <laughs> right. right. yeah. Right. yeah. Yeah. I, I stay with a spray bottle of alcohol. If y'all, yeah. If you all know, right. if, right. if you've seen Omari, like, up until probably Q4 last year, right. I, I ate my first meal out the house. July of 2021. That is yeah, incredible. Yeah. Oh yeah, I was taking my food everywhere. I had yeah. to microwave it. I was I was about that action. For me, the vid was on everything. <laughs> I know <laughs> that's right. right. It was right. on everything. Yeah. I accidentally found myself in a in an old school club party during <laughs> buddy, during during uh, Super Bowl in Miami. Yes, I did, you did. And I and like oh COVID didn't happen. Down it there. didn't so happen. It's, down it's there. completely fine. I it was a wild thing. Luckily. Yeah. We, we found story. this out. We were like, "Yo, don't come back to work." Bro. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Quarantine forever. I was like, I "Forever." I was like, "Why is everybody out here?" But anyway, how we measure it now is—I mean, there's a couple of things that we use to measure it, but, um, but of course, you got to focus on the media attention. Mm. So within a year's time, which is like July, to, July to July of this year, last year, we got three billion media impressions. Wow! Right. So wow. and it's focused on primarily correct me if I'm wrong, yeah. the impact work that we do. Yeah. Three billion. Would so be? I don't yeah. know any there's a lot of organizations that never get that. Ho- yeah. Hotels, not hotels, whatever, right? Yeah. yeah. So you can the numbers don't lie. You know, right. if somebody wants to say this doesn't have value, then you know, I'd argue that they were they don't know what value really is. You know, what is that? Price is what you pay, value is what you get. You know, I just had to say that for the <laughs> for the uh, friends in the room. And not only that, like, I also learned this from Dante. My job is to, in some aspects, not always in the director of, of culture and impact perspective, but if I'm bringing people into this space, the right kind of people, it's everyone else's job to extract the value when they get here. So we had to learn different ways of, like, really leveraging all of that media attention to turn that into something that's extremely Valuable from a revenue generating standpoint for the sales office, right? right? How do we do that for F and B? How do we do that for for front desk and rooms, right? And I think we've, I think the team, the other leaders in this building, have really uh, done a great job of like distillation, man, uh, distributing like you know the the leads as they come in and being able to speak towards yeah. what the interest of those those prospective customers are, um, and then sealing the deal. I mean, we are doing an incredible job here as an overall group. So I think that a lot of people are just going to see what I do as not something that is, you know, required. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of things aren't required, you know, but if you want to be exceptional, you want to be one of the best. And um, we're showing that and proving that that is what this looks like. Yep. Then, you know, here's the playbook. Mm-hmm. Right, we, we are, this is open source, right? Mm. Nothing is being hidden, you know. Um, so, uh, so I offer that to them versus being concerned, like, you know, uh, my job is is at risk just because you know something crazy. I got the job in the craziest yeah. you know, time of the yeah. of the world, right? And that's when it was the 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 most important. And, and what you all are showing is the importance of engagement. Yes. So all of our. All of our hotels, restaurants, they all sit within a community. Right. Um, the difference is, do you sit in the community or do you serve the community? Mm-hmm. And 
and being of service is being able to engage the folks that are around you, even if you don't have an F&B program and right. you're not necessarily trying to get locals in there. But how can you be of service? So that example that you shared of during COVID and, and the food distribution and, and being able to, to do that. What do you think that other hoteliers can take away from from your story? Not not just uh, of equity and inclusion, but but also of community engagement with with a very holistic approach and mm-hmm. a very uh, inclusionary lens. What do you think? If, if it was the probably the two messages that you would want folks to take away if they were trying to emulate, duplicate mm-hmm. uh, what you're doing, what would those two messages be? I would say I would say what we aspire to do is is to to operate a business without walls, and so it's not it's not engagement, it's not inclusion. It is it is really participating in the community like we would as an individual. And so if I live on a block for for four years and I don't know my neighbors, then that's a problem. Yeah. Right. And so for the longest time, businesses like ours have thrived in communities that haven't. And so that the, there should it should feel wrong if if I'm eating and my neighbors are starving. Yeah. And so I think I think we, we look at it through that lens and that informs a lot of the decisions that we make. And I think to Jason's point about about our open source approach to this, um, you know, and I would say just about every bet that we've made along the way in terms of the decisions that we've made have hit. But there's things that we've struggled with. There's things that we, you know, went back and forth quite a bit about internally before we pushed them out. Um, I would say, you know, if, if you have an interest in it, you know, follow follow the information that we put out. Uh, engage with. Them. We're we're very very active on social media. We're very available. We're very accessible. Where can we find Joe, you all on social media? So so my IG is the Hoodie Hotelier, uh, which is a whole different conversation about inclusion that I'm happy to have, uh, maybe for another time. But that's you know that's where I am. Uh, you know Jason is Jason C Bass on everything. Uh, so you know, that's just easy for me to spit that out because I've been taught it over the past couple of years. <laughs> um, and well, so, you know, all, I, Instagram, you know, Facebook, yeah. LinkedIn, though, very yeah. active on LinkedIn. Yeah. So for the professionals that are listening, yeah. So on any of those platforms, pull up to the hotel, man. We're here. Uh, you know, you showed up one day. You're like, yo, I'm in, I'm in the lobby, and I'm like, you know, say less. I'm on my way down. <laughs> and we are happy to engage on this. Uh, we want to share the playbook. Our hope is that. Is that yeah? People will will be inspired to replicate some of this, but ideally they will be inspired to build upon what we've done Absolutely. and challenge it, and challenge it. Poke holes in it, man. We're, we you know, we we're happy to be challenged. We don't have all the answers. We're not perfect, but you know we're we're you know we're just some folks who've done some meaningful things. I, I love that. And yeah. What, what yeah. do you think the future looks like for for your role? What does the ev- the evolution looks like? You know, if there was, and I went to school in Las Vegas, so if there was like a mega resort, yeah, what do you think it would look like if they had a director of culture and impact, or what do you think that this role ultimately goes to? Because right now, your role is when if it does exist in the organization, it's usually significantly above property, and then somebody mm-hmm. kind of overseeing, and it's just like, all right, you know, they're doing uh, what Dr. Joy Leary, Dr. Joy DeGruy from. Um, they wrote the book Post Traumatic Slave Syndrome called the Fruits and Festival Approach, mm-hmm. which is kind of like, all right, this is your month. We're going to do something <laughs> right, for women's right. history. All right, right now right. it's Black History. Right. Now, it, now it's Latinx History Month. Like, so, and that's usually what they're doing. But for you to be on the ground level programming, what do you think that looks like uh, in, in the future for other hoteliers as they consider building in these roles or or building out the programming? Yeah, that's. I mean, I, I think it's an incredible question, and we've asked that to ourselves many times. Like, mm-hmm. what is the what um, does this track look like within the current, um, 
you know, business structure or like uh, hierarchy that we're that we're working within. Um, and it's not it's not as clear as you know some of the other you know um, paths that people can take in the hotel industry or hospitality industry. But what I'm thinking is like his his where his where everything starts, right? So we look at this like we're understanding that the customer is more interested in the community side of things and having a relationship than a transaction. We want um, now I'm saying the we side of things. If I am a customer, but I am, I think of that. I think of it that way all the time. Like we want experiences, right? Um, and that's that's what I think you don't always get if you don't have someone around that's focused on something like that. Yeah. Those things, um, and they're going to have to be. This role is going to have to be um, broken up into different things that are the focus areas of these different um, properties, right? Like at a resort in Vegas, I mean, there's so many different people that are cut. You know, if this is, if this is a kid friendly resort, like we need a director of like families, mm. you know, we need somebody who's going to be able to say, um, you know, I got all this cool programming I want to do for, for families with kids of this age when they come up here, like they'll have these kind of things to do. I also know the area so I can direct them over here and, you know, serve as a little bit of a concierge with this kind of stuff. Um, we could put things in their room that looks like this and it's totally just focused on them mm. um, because that's now their job versus someone who is just a generalist, right? Yeah. From that yeah. perspective, right? I think we need to, this is where, unfortunately, I think we need a little bit of specialization and um, and what these new director of experiences and community really look like, you know, um, like we think about direct. My role should actually be split, and originally that's how it was designed. Uh, it was supposed to be two people: one of impact, one of culture. Um, but I think we just, you know, we found a really good way of working together to kind of accomplish both um, without too much of a strain on on anyone, not even myself. I love it. I love it. And and Dante, when we look at you know, overall, the level of intention that was required, the level of intention that was required to do, to engage with, like, the, the vendors. And when you look at that on the spreadsheet, and like you said, yes, it costs a little bit more to do the bonnets and the pillowcases the way that you that, that you did it. You know, what would, if, if you can share the number, or what would you say is your percentage of the spend in terms of vendor kind of comes with um with diverse vendors yeah we and so we the way we break this out in our data is uh is local versus non-local but a heavy heavy percentage of the local is uh is diverse by the by nature of the city that we where we do business absolutely and so it's it's north of 80 percent of our spend that's local wow to the to the dc maryland virginia area wow there are um at any given time you know just depending on like what we've bought in a given month uh, there's there's 30 black-owned businesses specifically that are supported through our operation every day, and so wow. what, you know the point that Jason was making about the gift shop is that there's things that you know that might not be natural to a hotel ecosystem, sure. right? Toilet paper, you know, having a black woman on toilet paper company is dope, but you're not going to always be able to find all of those things that are core, core functions of a hotel uh, when you're when you're really looking to be intentional about supporting black-owned businesses. But there's you know there's a little girl named Ava who started a dog treat company. When she was like nine years old, and we're like, great, dog treats in the gift shop, they go. I love and, it. And so as a hotel guest, you might not think to yourself, when I'm traveling, I'm going to pick up some dog treats for my dog back home. But you might if it's sitting there looking at you when you check in or when you check out. 
But I think the more important thing to do with that shelf space, with that real estate, is to have a conversation. You know, whether we get to talk to you or not, we're having a conversation by putting something in front of you that's been intentionally sourced. That's dope. That's dope. And I think, you know, final thoughts in terms of what you all are sharing, what you all got working on, what would you, um, anything else that you think that folks should take away from, from our conversation here today? I'll kick it over to Jason. Wow. Um, I think that, you know, one of the most important things that I've I've experienced in this industry is that um, there's a lot of room for opportunity that I don't think we or the traditional hospitality people, they don't necessarily see it right right now. Um, We're always kind of just looking at it from an older lens of just focusing on getting people in into the beds, feeding them, getting them beverages. One thing I've I've learned from working with the different um, different meeting planners is like every city has space, right? Every every hotel has rooms, but like it's all about the story and the emotional connection that you can make for people that drives them to choose you, right? It's not always a price. You know, if you're going to get into a price war with somebody, it's a race to the bottom. But if you can create a true sense of just interest and wonder and curiosity and and, um, and emotion, then you got a you got a real strong chance of 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 being incredible at what you do. That we have so many hotels in the world that need that, right? We are retrofitting this hotel. There was always just a business mission that aligned with what we were doing, but we were able to come on and and truly activate within within that mission. Um, and if you could think about how many other places in our own city we could potentially do something like this and live outside of these walls and bring those people into this building, make them yeah. feel welcome, whether or not there's a there's a uh, there's money being exchanged, there's commerce happening, um, then we can build. An, an incredible environment um, that is 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 not currently there. This yeah. is, is an opportunity to design an ecosystem that is driven by the hospitality industry mm. that could shape what the community looks like yep. instead of us just being here and existing without playing a, a significant role in, in what this community becomes or what it could be. You know, I think it's uh, I think it's nothing but but um, a bright future in front of us if we're very aware of that, you know. Um, but I am, it's not that I'm overly optimistic about it. I think that, I think we've been proving it, right? Over the last three years, um, we've been able to take ideas that people saw as absolutely crazy and yeah. make that work. And that's through, it's either through the means of, of what we currently have here or through the partnerships that we were able to create with people outside of this hotel that were just in different parts of the community, creative, business, nonprofit, uh, for-profit. So so with that being said, it's not like you have to define this massive budget and do all of right. this other stuff. We were able to help renovate an elementary middle school in, in East Baltimore, um, really just, you know, that hasn't been touched, uh, this area of the hotel, uh, area of the school, which is a laundry room and kitchen kitchen area that hasn't been touched for over 60, 70 years. Wow. Right. With uh, equipment that wasn't functioning. So we partnered with Lowe's. Lowe's, they're the ones who are the experts at this. They have the equipment. They have the know-how. They have the, they have everything that was needed to come in. They just, and they have uh, dollars dedicated to this. So we were able to make that connection and then get, get that done for this school. It cost them maybe in, in, in cost of goods, maybe 7000 And then labor force was a combination of three or four stores within the area. 
that you know they gave their team volunteer time off to come yeah. and paint. You know, you know, they wouldn't let everything. us help. They wouldn't even let <laughs> us help. We, we, we would have been we, in the way. Anyway. We showed up in our little revival t-shirts and sweatpants, like ready to paint and like participate. They were like, "No, no, no!" Like, we, we got this is what we do. You know, we got <laughs> you know? this, and that's and that's the part about yeah. it. It's like it didn't cost us anything but our time, yeah. to be there and the effort, right? But just because we had the the Hyatt name, uh, which I'm sure was incredibly validating when they had to like pitch this to the rest of the team on the low side, we had the connection with the school. We built a relationship with the principal. Um, we were able to, to do this together and then amplify it through the Hyatt Bullhorn, right? Through the PR side of it. So everybody gets to hear this story. Why can't this? This is the playbook, right? Yeah. This is this is the blueprint. That's the we game. We are saying it right now, right? Absolutely. Yeah, but talk about what that space is used for, though, and then how we got into it in the first place. So this they, the, the elementary middle school has a uniform program, right? Mm-hmm. This is inner city, East Baltimore, right? And they, the the laundry room that was in there was was built so that it could... It could um, it could clean soiled, dirty uniforms for kids that couldn't get that done at home. Wow. Right? So instead of them walking around the school with a with a uniform that's been dirty for days and days and days and nobody, you know, doing anything with it, you know, we now have helped them be able to deal with that and and, and um and and, uh, and clean those uniforms so that those students feel yeah. pride in who they are and they um and for health reasons too, right? That's another thing. Absolutely. But the kitchen area was designed to provide um, access, education, you know, all of that stuff for the kids that were there. That's not the kitchen that, you know, provides food for the lunch, the school lunch programs or, the, or any kind of like breakfast programming. But just everything that that community needs that currently exists in a food desert to have the know-how and the knowledge to, um, to take care of themselves, right? And to eat the right things um, instead of choosing... You know, hot Cheetos, you know, and candy because that's what sure. is out of. I knew you were going. I knew you were going to come for hot Cheetos. Yo, they I knew you were going. They everywhere. I'm tired of these Cheeto fingers. Um, but you know, it's that's that's what I think is that's what I think we have in front of us. You know, and Indeed. and hopefully this is just the um, one of the first stories that are being told. Yeah, and I appreciate you all for sharing the success, for sharing the playbook, for dropping the gems, and and giving people the opportunity to see what's possible. And, and you all hit on a few things about things being organic, um, about you all, you know, kind of moving away from some of the restrictive norms and, um, and, and really moving into a place of being of service mm-hmm. and at the core of yep. hospitality is, is service. So like right. I said, we can sit in the community or we can serve the community. Yes. And I appreciate you all for, for, for doing your services. Not only that, but also sh- being an open book about it and yeah. saying, hey, we, we don't have all the answers. This mm-hmm. is what we're doing. This is what's, what's working for us. And maybe it can work for you. Mm-hmm. And and maybe this uh, this episode is to serve as an inspiration and a motivation to somebody to try something different, yep. to get out there and say that, you know what, you can be you can be profitable, but you can also be promising. Yeah. Right. You you can you can have a great opportunity to really be of service to people. And we also make make good money doing yeah, it. Yeah, our our case, you know, is uh, is really proving out that you can be more profitable by being of service. So it's not. I, I don't think it's like. I don't think these are diametrically opposed. I think. I think that part of the reason why the results have been what they are, and we have we have a very solid sample size of data of fourteen months of the hotel being open before that. we started down this path. And in every way that we measure success, it's not just the media hits, which are off the charts. Um, you know, our our profitability up two hundred percent. You know, RevPar index is through the roof. We were 
you know, we I think we cracked 80% one month in the first 14 months that we were open. Yeah. You know, we're routinely above 150 now. Yeah. Number five in the set to number one in the set. In every way that we measure yeah. results, we've been able to synthesize wow. what we're wow. doing in the community wow. to drive better bottom line results for the business. And that's and, the headline. And yes, and I think that's going to get a lot of the uh, the people who are very numbers focused excited, mm-hmm. right? But here's the other thing that you get excited about. It's the awards, right? It's 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 the media that's not just local. Yeah. Keep in mind, we're a 107-room hotel in Midtown Baltimore. Again, not mm-hmm. in the tourist mm-hmm. district. Yeah. I said in Baltimore, right? Yeah. And we have a terrible narrative outside of the city, that's right? Right. Um, and we're, we're hoping that we're a part of that change, right? right. In a positive direction. You are. But, but here, thank you. Here we are getting um, 92 uh, best hotels in the world from Fodder yeah. Travel. Yeah, Fod- yeah Fodder. I always <laughs> yeah. say it wrong. Yeah. Fodder good. Travel, yeah, right? Yeah, um, travel and Leisure Top 500. Travel and Leisure yeah. Top 500, right? Yeah. Top 500. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we've been in Washington Post. Uh, we've been in, uh, you know, uh, literally the Rob Report. We've been yeah. on CNN. You know, not just Baltimore Sun. You know, uh, yeah. we've, 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 You've gotten out of the the, the local bubble, yeah. right, and gotten into a global audience, internationally known, locally Inter- accepted. Yo, for, for folks who who do go and follow Jason on, on IG annually, he does his annual Grammy post with like him <laughs> and all his trophies and awards. Uh, I, I, I've come to look forward to it. I'm, every looking, year. I'm looking to see yours this well, year. Uh, no, man, that's, 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 like your, that's your bag, list. You that's know? your bag. <laughs> but every year, it's, your, it's, 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 it's Jason uh-huh. and the trophies, right? So. Um, yeah, I mean, that's a great point, man. The, the, the trophy case is full, and I think it, you know, all of that, um, you know, it, I think we, we don't seek validation. I think, we, you know, we believe very strongly in what we're doing, but it is great when it's, when it's acknowledged, uh, particularly from the community that we, that we seek to serve. But it is interesting that, that this work has gotten onto so many radars uh, outside of Baltimore and people who we, we don't interact with directly, but who've, who've heard about what, we, what we've done and want to amplify it. I love it, yeah. man. I love it, and and so at the core of it, and I appreciate you closing us out with with kind of the profitability piece because that's yeah. that's always key, right? I mean, at the end of the day, we we are a business, but at the same time, when you have the opportunity to hit that triple bottom line of people, planet, and profit, for sure, it, it, it makes sense. So appreciate your time, appreciate mm-hmm. the opportunity. Thank you again, yeah, revival you, for this, yeah, this glorious space and this great energy. And um, man, y'all y'all brothers are awesome, and I look forward to people. <laughs> You know, reaching out to you and, yeah. and picking, not just picking your brain, but picking up the torch. There we go. So yeah. we want to see more people, you know, duplicate this and emulate this so that we can get into a much better space within our industry. And ultimately, we change the narrative of mm-hmm. what our industry is and what sure. it means to work here. So appreciate you all to listening to us today. So this is Omari with Next Gen and Lodging. It's been a pleasure. Thank you again to Hotel Revival. Thank you to Dante. Thank you to Jason. Thank you, bro. Pleasure, Peace. bro. Thank you for listening to the Hotel News Now Podcast Network. Make sure to subscribe on Apple or Spotify for more. And visit hotelnewsnow.com for more hospitality industry news.